We've been in a series in 1 John over these weeks, and I, and I uh, just want to really say thank you to my staff who has stepped up and preached a lot more than they normally do, uh, and, and I really appreciate that. I've been kind of like two weeks out, and then I preach a week, and two weeks out, and I preach a week. Uh, so, um, so just no, no, no disrespect to them, but we have a faith promise next week. You will want to come and hear the Skinners. They are worth hearing. And then after that, I'm going to just preach for lots of Sundays in a row. So, because <laughs> I'm looking forward uh, to to that part of it. So we've uh, uh, we have been in First uh, John, uh, and this week we're going to be in First John chapter five. We're going to kind of wrap it up. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me over to First uh, John chapter five. And just a couple reminders: uh, John is elderly at this point. Uh, um, he, he's a, a very old man, probably in his 90s. Uh, he's writing a whole bunch of things all at the same time, probably uh, the Gospel of John and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and Revelation all are written in a, in a pretty short period of time. He was Jesus' closest friend. Uh, so he has a unique insight uh, into all of this. And, and he's writing in a time when there's a lot of tension in the church over uh, things that are different. This is decades after Paul wrote his, his stuff, right? It's decades after the Gospels were written. Uh, and so the situation that Paul was writing into is very different than the situation that John is writing into, and that's going to become a little bit important uh, today when we talk about some of this. But, but for John, the bottom line in all of this is, is love. That, that, that's where he kind of gets it. You know, Paul does the philosophical work, and then John gets to the writing late and says, how, how do we wrap this all up? You know, how do we kind of get a hold of this? He's the last one that speaks with the authority of an apostle. All the other apostles are gone, and the apostles speak for God. Jesus uh, gave them the authority to speak. Once they're gone, then we have the word, but, but nobody else gets to speak like that. And so, um, so he's kind of, kind of feeling the pressure. He's at the end of his life. I need to get this out there. I think that's why he was writing furiously at the end of his life. Uh, and, and, and it really comes down to this. It, it, it's all about love. If it's not about love, then, then it's not about God. You, you, you've missed it. Uh, and, and so uh, that's, that's kind of what he's getting after in, in all of this. And so this morning, we're going to kind of talk about a hard thing, uh, because we're going to talk about uh, love, obedience, and changed behavior. Uh, and and oh, I love the word love, okay? The word obedience, that's a little more of a struggle for me. Yeah, more of you should have said his amen right there, okay? Because I know some of your testimonies, okay? You know, I, honestly, when I was growing up, I was a strong-willed child and I was ADHD. Got new respect for my mom, don't you? <laughs> you know? it, 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 and that's just not a good combination, you know? I, I got my first spanking when I was in kindergarten. Can you imagine, you know? I, th- that was just who I was. And now, I, it would have been more difficult for me, but, but my parents were in the 60s uh, probably liberal about how you raise a kid. Because in the 60s, there was a lot of the, you know, when in doubt, spank them, don't give them explanation because they need to learn to obey, all of that. And fortunately for me, my mom and dad really believed that it was important to explain how to make good decisions and why they were making me do stuff because they really believed that ultimately the goal of parenting was to teach children to make good decisions. Amen? And, and today you all get that. I mean, you're, you're in a, we're in a different place. But back then that was kind of a big deal. That was a lifesaver for me because when people, you know, go obey, I just kind of go, no way, you know? <laughs> Just, I'm wired up. I get that from my dad. He was like that too, you know. Um, and, and so um, it turns out, interestingly enough, this whole teach them how to make good decisions is what God does with us. He's constantly teaching us to grow and learn. And, and you know, and he's watching us when we struggle and we make bad decisions. I, you know, I personally, I don't know what goes on in heaven, but I personally think God spends a lot of time going, oh, 
you know, Craig, I've been trying to tell you, and, and you got off, you know. And, and, and so that, that's kind of the context here. But, but I just need to make this confession before we get very far, and that's this. I don't like to obey, and I'm a little suspicious of people who do, you know. <laughs> just, I, 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 don't, I don't, you know, you, know that's a, you all were compliant children, weren't you? I can tell by the laughter, you know, you're just, you, you, that, that, you know. And, and so last week, uh, uh, Pastor Ashley did a good job with the whole fear of punishment sort of thing, the fear uh, kind of thing, and, and the courage. And, um, and, you know, again, I've experienced lots, lots and lots and lots of punishment in my growing up years, you know. And, and every kid's different. You know, the compliant child doesn't get it nearly as much as the less compliant child, you know. I was the, a lot less compliant kind of child. Um, and, 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 in fact, for me, school was really hard. Like I said, I got my first spanking in kindergarten. I was the kid that could never sit still in class. You know, I was moving all the time. I'm very social, so I was talking all the time. And back in the 60s when I was in school, that was re- those were regarded as character flaws, right? Now, nowadays, we understand ADHD to be a, a different kind of thing, and they do much better. But, but back then, it, it, it was considered a character flaw. And so I really struggled with school and, and with all of that. In, in fact, I think if I had been left to my own devices, I would have developed a phobia of teachers. Okay, so some of you who are teachers, if I'm just a little skittish around you, you know the story now, okay? That, that, that's it. But, but the Lord had this mercy in me in, in that I knew that couldn't happen. And so when I, when I got to college uh, and got going along, he played this giant joke on me where I fell in love with a teacher. <sighs> And so I had to choose between my phobia of teachers and the one I loved. And as you know, I picked the one I loved. Jody actually graduated with a degree in education uh, from, from uh, the same school. And in the early years of our marriage, she taught, she taught school. And so I, I think I do okay now. Um, but, but honestly, it was, it was really kind of a, a funny sort of thing in those days. Um, Jody and I, um, well, let, let's just say, have you ever noticed how the opposites attract, right? Jody's really smart. Okay, uh, when we were going through, uh, going through there, Jody was in the education department at NNU, and NNU back then was double accredited. It had the regular accreditation in the education department, and then it had like an even higher one. It was considered one of the top schools uh, in education. And when she graduated, just to give you a perspective, and she didn't know I'm going to tell this story on her because she would hate it, but um, so I'll be in trouble afterwards. Please surround me before she gets to me. Um, she graduated with what was at the time the top GPA in the education department. She set the record. That's, that's you know, she was the star, right? And, and so um, that had some interesting implications. I, I, uh, my, uh, when I went to tell my, the head of the religion department um, that, I, that I was engaged, it was kind of an interesting thing. I was, I was not the star in the religion department, okay? <laughs> I was just another one of those guys that was going to be like two years and out kind of a deal. And uh, I, I went to him and I, and I said, hey, I just wanted you to know, and his wife was working over in that same kind of building, so they knew, everybody knew Jody, right? I just wanted you to know, I'm engaged to, to, to Jody was Roth back then. And his response was, really? I wanted to say, what am I, chopped liver? But I was afraid he said, yeah, as a matter of fact, you are, you know. Uh, you tried to talk me out of it. I mean, he literally tried to talk me out. I think they thought I was going to ruin their star, you know. So, so an interesting sort of thing happened, though. When I fell in love and, and my noncompliance and all of that, and all of a sudden when I was in love, I started doing things, I used, I started doing things with joy, things that I used to chafe at. 
There were certain things that were hard for me, and, 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 and I didn't like the word compliant and all of that, but, but, but I, all of a sudden it was, it was easy for me to do things that I, I fought with my parents about doing, you know? It was stunning for my parents. The first time we were kind of around each other uh, and that sort of thing, and, and, uh, and I remember Jody, you know, asking me to take the garbage out. And, my, and I'm, so I grab it up, and I pick it up with joy. I'm dancing out, taking the garbage. My mom's like, who are you and what have you done with my son? You know? And in fact, uh, for me, uh, back in the day, this is the 80s, so we write letters back and forth, right? So, so I'm writing the letters when I first met Jody about her and, and, you know, how her relationship is going and all the things I like about her. Uh, and they kind of connected with her and got to know her a little bit. And, and, and they were like, all of a sudden, I got this letter back from my mom, and they like just were gushing about Jody. In fact, I'm pretty sure they like Jody better than me, you know? <laughs> And then in this letter, my mom finally says something that, that, that really, really struck me, and, and that was this. She said, we really like her because she can handle you. <laughs> what does that mean, mom, you know? And what they were picking up on was this idea that, that I, I think is really important in, in this principle. When you love someone, doing the right thing is, isn't nearly as hard. Amen? When you love someone, doing the right thing gets easier to do. Not because doing it itself is easier, but because your motivation for doing it is better, right? So I, I, for some of us, it's been a while, but when I was a teenager, when mom and dad wanted me to do chores, I just like, no, no, I don't want to do that. I argued with it, you know, that, that whole thing. But, but when I got married and I fell in love, it became much easier to do. Now, I'm still not compliant. You can ask Jody about that later, but, but, but it's just an important thing. And this, it turns out, is at the heart of the message of John in chapter 5, is this idea he wants to talk about obedience and, and commitment and those sorts of things. And it turns out this is the idea that he has. When you love someone, including Christ, doing the right thing isn't nearly as hard. And he's going to talk about this connection. So if you have your Bibles, uh, we're in 1 John chapter 5. I want to do the first three verses, so I'm going to jump over to the first one here. It says... John is writing, this is the last, last chapter. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Now, you understand that would have been hard for Jews because they had a lot of requirements. And actually, given the context that John is dealing with, which is Gnosticism, it would have been hard for them too, okay? And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. And so just a couple real quick things. The word for everyone who believes there, it's a tense in the original language we don't have in English. And it means the idea of continued action. And so it's the idea uh, of everyone who keeps on believing, everyone who believes day after day. It's not, it's not just this idea of somewhere in the past, you said, okay, I believe God exists, and I believe Jesus is the Christ, and I believe he died for my sins. Now I'm on with my life. That's not what's being talked about. There's this ongoing connection, this ongoing uh, relational kind of piece of it that's there. And, and so I, I would say it like this. Uh, for God, faith is relational, not intellectual. For God, faith is relational, not intellectual. Because in our world, sometimes belief can be kind of an intellectual sort of thing, right? I believe that God exists. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. And can't you see God just going, oh, thank you so much for believing in me I, I, and agreeing with me. I, I was afraid I might be wrong about my existence and about my son. 
you know. Well, you know, can I, can I you know, be honest with you? God doesn't need you to agree with him. He's God, okay? It's kind of the nature of the deal. And, and so uh, he, he needs you to trust him. That's what's being talked about here when it talks about, about faith. It's just, I always think about this as, as such a funny thing, you know. Uh, like somehow God's self-esteem is based on whether or not you agree with him, right? And his existence is based on whether or not you uh, agree with him. And so uh, verse 2 then goes on and says, By this we know that we love the, love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. Now, the first thing, again, he's adopted family language, the father and the, and the, the, the son, basically, before. And now it's the, the larger, the children, children of God. And so he, John is coming back to this idea that, that, that this whole thing that we are is the body of Christ, is that we are to love one another, love each other. It's why we have that, that verse out there on our wall that says, we are family. And if you go look at it, it says, love each other. And in the original, it, it means every single individual, not just a, 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 as a group. Somebody say amen here, because I'm worried that we're going to have to have a talk about love, and this will be a lot longer sermon. So uh, th th that's what it's all about. And so um, for, for God, love of, for God and obedience to God are inseparable in John. Let me say that again. Love for God and obedience to God are inseparable for John. You can't say you love God if you don't obey him, okay? You, th th that's just not the way it works. When, when you love someone, you bring your life in, into obedience to them, into compliance to them, in, into a relationship. Uh, you know what we call someone who, who pursues somebody that doesn't really love them? We call them a stalker, right? And I think we have God stalkers. They're just stalking God to get out of God whatever they can. You know, I'm going to answer my prayer, but I don't really want to do what you want to do. I don't want to be a part of that. I just want you to do what I want you to do for, for me. And, and John says that's, that's not it. And so here, here's the deal. John is writing in an environment where Gnosticism, this, say Gnosticism. There's your philosophical word. You'll never need that again. Um, it is starting out, and, and there, it goes two routes. Gnosticism says that this world and this life doesn't matter. That material things don't matter. The only thing that matters is spiritual things. And so that leads them to two conclusions. One of them is that they, they have this kind of creepy, strange legalism where they actually like beat their bodies because they devalue this life, okay? The other one is they go to another extreme, another group would go and say, what you do in this life doesn't matter. You can just sin and do anything you want and, and break all the rules because this life just, just doesn't, doesn't matter at all. And so John is trying to say, no, 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 that's not the kind of love I'm talking about. I'm not talking about love that either results in legalism or that it just says nothing matters in this world. That there is this unique thing in Christ where love and obedience come together in a powerful way. And, and so I'd, I'd say it this way. Obedience is about loyalty and love for God, not fear and power. This changed me when I got onto this years ago. Because all of my life, obedience had been about fear and power. Fear of what the teacher was going to do to me. And they certainly had the power to do it. And, and, and for me, when I figured out that obedience was about loyalty and, and, and love, it, it made everything different for me. I, I had a whole new perspective on this. And we're going to talk more. I'm going to bring this out more. But I want to get to verse 3 here. Verse 3 goes on to say, For this is the love of God. That's important. Pay attention. For this is the love of God. Okay, he's about to define it. That we keep his commandments and his commandments are not 
burdensome. And I really need to get you to get onto the word commandment here. Say commandment, okay? Because here, here, here's the problem for us. When we think of commandments, we think of fear and power, right? The boss gives you an order. You, you get a command from somebody. Uh, and and the, the original Greek word, that it certainly has some of that in it, but it actually carries the idea of a precept or a charge. A precept. You know what a precept is? It's a principle for life. If you put this into action, you will be blessed if you do these things. That's what a precept is. A charge is, is when you, you personally uh, take on an agreement for how you're going to live uh, together. Uh, and, and so um, we, we understand this, I think, a little more in the context of marriage relationships, okay? So um, when you get married, you have a set of vows. You How many of you took vows when you got married in some sort of, yeah. How many had the traditional vow, vows in there someplace as well? Yeah, um, those are good because you, you remember them. But, but there are, there's a part of the vows that you take that are very inflexible, right? Like that forsaking all others, that's inflexible. That, that, that they're, you know, I, I, let me say it this way. When I chose Jody. I automatically unchose every single other woman in the world, right? Because I said, forsaking all others, I, th that, one's, that one's inflexible. Okay, but, but, but there's some other stuff in there. In fact, there's a whole bunch of other stuff when you're standing up there that you are agreeing to that you don't know you're agreeing to. <laughs> Amen? There's just a, there's a whole set of rules and things that, that you are blissfully going uh, along, and, and you, you just don't, you just don't know that those are, those are in there. And, and, and so you're saying yes to them, but you don't know you're saying yes to them. You only find out later. It's kind of a surprise. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to leave that alone, okay? <laughs> so so that, that's kind of the, the command. Those are the precepts. Your life goes better if you follow some of these precepts, Okay. Your life goes better if you learn how women talk, guys, you know? It's just that, that whole thing about the trash thing, you know? It took me the longest time to figure out that when Jody says the trash is full, you know, what she really means is take out the trash. I mean, for years I'm like, the trash is full. Oh, that's nice. Good to know. You know, can you see the lumps on my head still from, I mean, that learning curve, she took a long time to train me, all right, you know, and, and so she might argue she's still training me. But, but there, there, there's things that in life that, that we, we, we learn as we go along, and it's not as much a command as it is a, a precept. You're just smarter if you do it this way or, or, or a charge. And uh, sometimes I, I think that this, especially in the relationship, at least for me, between a father and a son, and I know a lot of you didn't have good fathers. And I just want to say to you, your heavenly father is the father your, your earthly father was supposed to be. Amen. And you're going to be the kind of father that God intended you to be. Let me try that again. You're going to be the kind of father that God intended you to be. Amen. That doesn't mean perfect. That just means you reflect God in all of that. I had a great father. And one of the things that my father did was he was always giving me um, advice, <laughs> precept, directions, wise sorts of things. Maybe, guys, some of you received this. One of the things my dad used to say to me a lot was, son, you have to work hard. Anybody else have a dad that said that to him along the way? Yeah, lots of you did. Hard work is important. My, he used to say things like, don't cheat people. 
It'll never, you know, sin aside, you will never build a good life like that. You just just won't. It's a a precept. He he said, work smarter, not harder. And that was really helpful to me when I got into management with people. He he said things like, spend less than you make. My, My dad was not a great financial advisor. He wasn't a financial genius. But he knew that things always went wrong, and if you spent less than you make, you'd have some savings to deal with it. Amen? That's not a a life and death issue. That's not a sin issue. You're not going to go to hell if you don't spend less than you make. But can I tell you, your life will go better if you spend less than you make. It's a precept. It's, it's a command in, in that sense. It's, it's something from God where God says to me through my dad, this will make your life better if you do it this way. You know, he, he said things like, take care of your family. And in fact, he was pretty tough about that one. He said, I, I don't care what the issue is. You take care of your family and you cherish your wife. In fact, my dad said to me, if you don't, I will come looking for you. And he really wasn't kidding. He was like, this is a, you know my family's so big to me? Because that's the kind of family I, I, I grew up with. He, he said stuff like this, own your mistakes and take responsibility. Now, can you live life without doing that? Yeah. Will your life be better if you own your mistakes and take responsibility? Yep, sure will. Sure will. Precepts. Do you see what I mean by this word command? It's, it's a precept. The commands of the Lord are good. This is why in the Old Testament they talk about the sweetness of the law. Because they weren't talking about God is going to get you. They were talking about if you will follow God's plan, you will have a better life. You will live better in this life. And, and, and so it's so important that you understand that. And so here, here's how I kind of want to sum that up when God is giving us commands. And that is this. Letting go of things that are bad for you is good for you. Amen? Letting go of things that are bad for you is good for you. And that's what you're trying to teach your children. Some of those things in your life that are bad for them, they, they think you're just trying to make their life miserable, right? Remember what it was like to be a teenager? You know, you're so mean. And in fact, what you're trying to do is teach your children how to have a good life. Now, let me make that a little more pointed. God continues to do this kind of teaching in your life after you grow up. And even when you get old... Amen. And God may still be teaching you things, and it's okay because he's God. Amen. We say no to our children, not because we want to harm them, but because we want to protect them. Amen. And it might just be that sometimes God says no to you because he's trying to protect you. Maybe, maybe we give them chores for their good, not for our best good. Have you ever noticed that? You, 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 do, not, you do not give your ch- children chores to do to make your life easier right? Because you could do it in about 30 seconds rather than an hour-long argument with them about getting it done. Amen? Right? You do it because you love them and because you want to make their life better um, and all of this. And so let me kind of wrap that and say this like this. When God says no to you, he's trying to protect you. When God says no to you, He's trying to protect you. And this morning, if you're here and God is saying no and you are arguing with God and you're mad at God. In fact, maybe you've just thrown a giant tantrum and thrown yourself on the floor and you're pounding. Ah, God. Can I just tell you something? God is trying to protect you. He's your loving heavenly father. This whole thing has been about the love of your father, the father's love for us in in all of that. And and in addition to that, when God tells you to do something, he's trying to help you. 
if he's calling you to do something that you're uncomfortable with and he's saying, listen, I need you to do this and you're like, I don't want to, that's going to, I don't see how that's going to help me. Good point. You're not God. He is. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Somebody say amen, okay? Because <laughs> that, is, that is the truth of it. I've been walking with the Lord a long time and let me tell you, he's the only one that can see over the horizon and around the corner. And it's so many times he set me up either stopping me from doing something or asking me to do something that made no sense in the moment until I turned the corner and I went, oh, 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 oh. I, I see now what God was doing in, in all of that. And in fact, here's what I really know is true. And his commandments are not burdensome. That's the last little part of that. In the time of Jesus, they laid heavy things. You couldn't keep all the rules. You, no matter what you did, you, you would break them. And, and so there's this, this world of commandments out here that John is trying to write to. And there's this world of people over here in Gnosticism that say, what you do doesn't matter. That We get rid of all the commandments. None of it really matters. And he's trying to pull all of that together and saying, if you will get this idea that, that commandments and love go together, you will discover a whole new thing called freedom and release. Today we call it the law of love. Say the law of love. Yeah, that, to a Jew that would make no sense, but, but in Christ it makes perfect sense. In fact, it harkens back. You can imagine John, now elderly, remembering the time he was with Jesus when, when someone challenged him about the law and said, what is the greatest commandment? I just, I, I wasn't there, but I'm pretty sure they said commandments because they were looking for what the, you know, we're going to really get them, right? We're going to trap Jesus here. And Jesus said, Love God with your whole being. Love the people around you like family. That's, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. That's what that would translate today. Love the people around you like family. And then in Matthew, a good friend of John's, he said, all your religion hangs on this. That means build your whole religion on love God with your whole being. Love the people around you like family. If you don't get that, nothing else matters. If you get that, you'll eventually get the rest of it. You'll figure it out in all of that. And so the, the law is to be life-giving to us. In fact, I, I believe with all of my heart there is something about love that transforms obedience. It changes it from an adversarial relationship to a, a joyous relationship. I cannot tell you, I cannot tell you how much I would love to have my dad lecture me again about all the things he told me. He's in heaven now. I'm sure he's going. <laughs> I, 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 I obey what my father taught me, not because he can come back and get me, but because I love my father. And I realize now he always had my best interest in mind. And can I tell you, if your earthly father didn't have your best interest in mind, your heavenly father certainly does. And when he guides you, he guides you for your own good. It's just so important because there's something about it that, that when we fall in love, we, we just, it's easier to become obedient. It's easier to do the things you need to do because you love someone, not because you're afraid of them. I'm telling lots of Jody stories. It's going to be a long afternoon. But 
I, I remember the first visit, you know, Jody lived a couple, three hours south of me, and, and uh, we, the relationship had been going along, and it was time to meet the parents. What a fun time that is, right, you know? And so she came up to, to visit us, and I really wanted to impress her. Uh, she didn't need to impress anybody. They already liked her better than me, but, but I wanted to impress her, right, because I thought this might be a little tenuous. I, I was definitely way out of my league at this point, and so, uh, as my professor told me, um, and so uh, I, I, I decided that I was going to cook, right, you know, because I'm going to be a good husband and I'm going to cook. And so I wanted to share all of my favorites with her. And so we got up that first morning after she had come there. And, and I, I like fried eggs. How many like fried eggs? You know, fried eggs, bacon, that sort of thing. Yeah. That, that, so that's the breakfast I fixed for her. And I, I fixed it for her. And, and I was so proud of it. And it did pretty good, you know. And uh, that evening, we, we had the evening meal, and so I thought, okay, she's a farm girl. She grew up on a, on a working farm, all right? So th this really strange thing, opposites attract, that I just didn't understand at all. She liked vegetables, you know? And, and I, you know, I thought, okay, I need to show her that I can eat vegetables. And I, I scrambled around. There's only, really only one vegetable I like, and it's peas. Anybody, how many people like peas? I know peas are kind of, some people are not, but that's the only one I like. So, so I decided, okay, I, I'm going gonna, gonna to do peas because I really like peas and I can eat a bunch of peas and I'm going to look healthy and, and I'm going to make a good impression on her. And I, I, we did that and I, I, was, I was so happy that, that she, you know, she just ate him like a trooper. It wasn't until years later I, I found out she hates peas. <laughs> and the only thing she hates more than peas is fried eggs. <laughs> But she ate them. Why? Because there's something about love that transforms obedience. You know? Turns out, I, I should have known right then and there, she loved me. Don't know why, but, but she loved me. There's something about that. And so um, another part of this is obedience is the only proof of love. It's, it's the only proof of love. It's one thing to say to someone, I love you. But, but, but real love takes action. All, all of the years that, that we have been married, I just simply sign over my check to her because she's really good with details and that way the bills actually get paid, which is a good thing, you know? I, I've never worried about, about any of that. Everything I have is hers. I've given her the right to ask me, ask me, where were you? What were you doing? She has that right. She is my wife. You understand that? There's nothing hidden from her. Obedience is the only proof of love. I vowed my life and my fidelity, my faith to her, forsaking all others. Obedience is the proof of love. It's the proof of love for your spouse. It's the proof of love for your children. When you have children, you lose control of your life, have you noticed? And your resources go to provide for them. And it's not enough to provide for them. You have to raise them and discipline them and love them. And it's a lot of work. But once you have kids, obedience, your obedience to their needs, not what their wants, but their needs, is the only proof of love. So here's what I know, just this, this whole series. I just know this, that I know this, that I know this, and that is this. Um, oops, hit the wrong thing there. The Father's heart is love. 
your father's heart. He loves you more. He, he, get this. Uh, he, uh, people have been asking me what the due date for my uh, daughter is. It's April 9th. And, and I have learned a new thing in, as I get closer to becoming a grandparent, and that is this. God loves me more than I love my grandchild. And God loves you more than you love your grandchildren. And God loves you more than you love your children. Amen? That's how the Father's heart is. That's what, it, what it's all about. And I, and I know this for sure. The obedience he asks for is for your own good. The obedience he asks for is for your own good. Whatever he is asking you, it's for your good. And then your heavenly Father only reveals brokenness in order to heal it. Let me say that again. Your heavenly Father only reveals brokenness in order to heal it. This is different from the way the world works. I, I don't know what your experiences would be, but I had a period of life in my period of time in my life where I did a lot of hiring and firing. And um, firing is a <laughs> interesting sort of thing, but it usually began with. This is what you're doing wrong. This is what you're doing wrong. This is what I told you. This is where I wrote you up and you didn't do this. And, you did. and there's kind of a listing and the end of that is you need to go find a job someplace else. God never reveals your faults so that he can fire you. He always reveals them so that he can heal you. I need you to get that. God never reveals your faults so that he can fire you. Okay, so if God is revealing something in your life, he wants to heal it. And, and here's the next step in that. He only reveals sin in order to forgive it. Y'all should be dancing in the aisles because this is really good news, right? So if God is working on you and God is speaking on you, good news. God wants to heal and God wants to forgive. He wants to do a great thing in your life. So let me ask you this question. Is there someplace in your life where you are resisting God? And if so, why? I... I, I Take it from me, I am an expert at resisting God. All of the major changes in my life, I have fought with God over. I fought with him over moving to Nampa, Idaho to go to college. Greatest thing that ever happened to me. I got a wonderful education and I met Jody. You should all be thankful I went to Nampa. And then God made us stay in Nampa. I didn't want to stay in Nampa. I made some of the greatest friends of our lives while we were in Nampa in those early years, started our family. And then the God told me I had to go to Kansas City to go to school. I didn't want to go to Kansas City to go to school. What's in Kansas City? Kansas City only exists because some wagon train broke down and they didn't have the parts, and so they started a city. <laughs> you know? But God moved me to Kansas City, so I went to Kansas City and went to school. Great experience. I learned so much, but I did not want to stay there. And God made me stay there. I fought with God about that. And I went in this wonderful church. It was this greatest thing. And I discovered a redeeming quality about Kansas City. God always brings good out of bad. Have you had Kansas City barbecue? <laughs> and the friends we made there. And then when I got so I loved that place so much, we never wanted to leave that. God said, you're up and you're moving to, to Marysville, Washington. I said, where's Marysville, Washington? And these last 10 years have been the greatest journey of our life. At the end of this service, when I tell you I love you, I'm not kidding. I love you guys. I'm such a privilege to have you call me pastor. Stop resisting God's will in your life. The best stuff is on the other side of it. The burden gets lighter on the other side of it. There is freedom in all of that. Let God, well, let me say it like this. There's a hidden, if there's a hidden sin that still holds you in bondage, 
If there's a sin, God can forgive that as well. So I'm gonna, I just need to back up a little bit to touch this one because we kind of touched the obedience, the, the sin, sin. In my experience, everybody has a hidden file. And inside that file is the stuff you are most ashamed of. It's, it's, the, it's not the, the sin that you're, you know, your grandpa told you it was sin or your preacher told you it was sin or your grandma told you or somebody told you it was sin. It's that thing you know in your heart was wrong. I want to tell you that if God puts his finger on that and pries open that file, he wants to forgive and he wants to bring life in all of that because ultimately God's way is the best way. Amen. If our musicians would come, I, I, I just... We're going we're gonna to sing a really a great song here. Um, and and here, here's what the words of it are. It says, you give life. You are love. You bring light in the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. And when we worship the Lord in giving in just a minute, woohoo! I, I, I would like you, if, you're, if God's put his hand on something, would you just, you don't have to focus on that. Would you just focus on God? And would you let him come into that place? And if there's a place where you're out of obedience with God, would you recommit to obedience in that and ask God to help you? And he will. Because on the other side of obedience is release. The burden is lifted. That's why I said this burden isn't heavy. It, there's a place of joy and, and satisfaction let God in this morning. And I don't, God won't let go of me on this one. There's someone here and you're grappling with something in your life and the spirit of the living God is here and he wants to heal if it's a broken place and he wants to forgive if it's a sinful place and that can happen this morning. But only you can let him in. Let him in as we sing. If you're a guest, if you'd put your connection card in the offering plate, thank you. I'd just love to follow up with you. But I want to pray for us now before we do this. And open your heart. Open your heart. Father God, Lord, I, I don't know who you're talking to. But I've done this enough to know to not to ignore you. And so I pray this morning specifically for that person that, that these words have, have struck deep. <laughs> And maybe it's something no one knows about, Lord. I ask, Father, they would just open their heart and let you come in and heal, that they would confess it to you. They don't need to confess it to me. Confess it to you and ask you to come in and forgive and lift the burden of the past or the place of brokenness, that they would let you come in and they'll, they'll become obedient again. They'll do what you're asking them to do or maybe they'll stop doing whatever they need to stop doing, Father. And then would you come in and strengthen them and by your spirit do a miracle this morning, Father to your glory and to your honor. Thank you for forgiveness and healing in Jesus' name. Amen.